Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. So how long would you say you've been experiencing symptoms? Like a month. I can remember some things, but other things are just gone, like uh, details. I can't do details. They call it NIA, neuroinflammatory affliction, and it can affect anyone. Like the man picked up by a fishing boat. It turned out he was another fisherman, couldn't remember how to steer his boat, so he decided to swim home. And then a pilot forgot how to fly. Listen carefully. If you are experiencing NIA symptoms, I need you over here. The government have the true cure. They've been keeping NIA on the streets. It's no wonder people went crazy. This is not a proven cure. We urge everyone to remain calm. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 322. Out February 5 in theatres and on demand is Little Fish, a love story about a young married couple who must deal with the repercussions of a global virus that robs the mind of memories. Featuring terrific performances from Olivia Cook and Jack O'Connell, Little Fish beautifully captures those feelings of love and loss, joy and sadness that are a part of the memories that make a life. And joining me on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is the director of Little Fish, Chad Hardikin. Chad, I thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. So previously, the films that you've directed, you've either wrote or co-wrote the screenplay. In this case, the screenplay is written by Matson Toblin, who's a burgeoning screenwriting in industry right now how did the story of little fish come to you and what was it that really appealed to you as a filmmaker that said yes i want to make this movie um i i was sent the script uh, by the company that was producing it and i was lucky enough that the uh executive there one of the executives there used to work as an assistant to my agent and mm. so you know many many years prior um he was just really familiar with with me and my work because he worked for my agent. And then of course, as most assistants do, he then graduated and went off and made a nice career for himself. And uh, that was really helpful for me because my previous film, Morris from America is a comedic coming of age story. And there, there's very little that would show you in that film that, you know, I'd, I'd be the perfect person to direct a little fish, but he just was familiar with me and could fill in those blanks. And so he sent it and I really loved it uh, for two reasons. One, it just jumped off the page. You could just see it as a movie right away. And that type of writing is, is rare and mm. it makes, and, and it just immediately makes you excited to get those visuals out. You know, they're, they're so immediately planted in your brain. You just want to get them out. And uh, at the time that I first read it, it was late 2018 and, and um, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings were going on and, and there was news reports about the children in cages at the border. And uh, it just felt like there was bad news constantly. And, you know, if, if you ever uh, opened yourself up to what was going on in the outside world, it was it was slammed on you that it was a bleak, bleak stuff out there. And and. At the same time, my girlfriend was pregnant with our first child. And so I felt like this intense personal love 
and joy in my little bubble. Uh, and it was just hard to reconcile like how, how excited I was for the future in my, my own life versus, you know, the doom and gloom of the outside world. And, and, and I related to that element of the story where, uh, in the, in the event of an apocalypse, I could imagine everyone just having to zero in and focus on their day-to-day life and, and the struggles and the tasks they have at hand um, at the expense of the out, outside world and really try to not let it uh, affect them until, of course, the outside world has a way of coming to your front door and, and forcing you to pay attention to it. And um, I thought Matson did a really lovely job of illustrating that um, and, and, and of course, now uh, I feel that even more intensely. In a way, did you feel like the film gave you opportunity to kind of exercise some of the anxieties you had, not only about becoming a father, but also about what was happening in the world at the time? Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like a, <clears throat> an opportunity to both take on some new challenges as a, as a filmmaker in terms of, of tackling genre and tackling some world building and, and bigger scope uh, and, and just how do you convey this this world uh, that's gripped in a, in a pandemic, um, but also how do you uh, tell the story of a, of a complete relationship in small moments and how do you um, get across the, the life of this love um, just by cherry picking little 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 pieces of of uh, a life together, and and um, I I've certainly probably brought a lot of myself to to both the characters of Emma and, and Jude, and um, yeah. Emma and Jude are played by Olivia Cook and Jack O'Connell, two of my favourite actors working today. I read in a previous interview that you said that filmmaking is uh, 90% the writing and casting and then you just fill in the rest of the gaps there. Um, when it came to casting Olivia and Jack, um, have you known, um, worked with them previously, known of their work previously, and when you got the chance to work with them, um, just how great was it for having them on screen because the chemistry you could just feel on the first frame as soon as I saw them on, on screen. Yeah. Well, now that, that quote's going to come back to haunt me now because I actually didn't write this one and both Jack and Olivia were cast before I came on board as a director. So I, I'm outing myself as only having done 10% of the work. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, Olivia was on the project from the very, very beginning. And, and we worked with Matson uh, as he was writing. You know, he wrote it with her in mind. And then um, I think... Jack came on board pretty quickly too, because he just wanted to work with Olivia and, and then they started looking for directors. So uh, they were already involved and, and that was a huge sell for me. I, I think in, in some cases that can turn a director off because it is a lot of the work done already. But um, you know, those would, if, if I had just gotten the script and they said, who would you like to cast? Like those would be two actors that you would then spend months Recording. So it, it was definitely not a stumbling block, but a selling point for me. I, I was huge fans of theirs. Olivia from Thoroughbreds and uh, Ready Player One and, and Jack I had seen in This Is England and 71 and um, very, very excited. And then, yes, as you said, uh, the chemistry was just there. That's that's not something that I, I can take credit for or or you know, even maybe they can't even take credit for it. It's just something that either is or isn't. And um, 
I think because they had such a strong mutual respect for each other as actors and, and were genuinely excited to meet each other and work with each other. And, um, and the material was good um, that it, it just kind of fell into place. And uh, I, I, you could tell as soon as we started filming that, that this was going to be a, a love story you could believe in. You work again with Sean McElwee, who's a cinematographer. Um, something that really sticks with me after watching the movie is the use of colour in the film, the yellows, the blues, the greens. When it comes to that kind of thing, uh, do you and Sean go over the script, talk about different places where you can place colour? Is the mention of colour in the script as well? Um, I'd imagine some of the parts of the film where they talk about memories, what colour was the room, et cetera, that will come up. But the the aquarium the the um the part with all the fish tanks for example um the use of color mm-hmm. there um how does that really come about in your conversations with Sean and how you wanted to shoot that and how you wanted it to look yes we do talk about it and we talk about it fairly early Sean is someone that I went to film school with and have known for twenty years and always work with so we we are very much on the same page and uh have always felt that color is a huge part of filmmaking and so uh from the very beginning we discussed how we can utilize it and uh we we talked about how there was just gonna by default kind of be a blue scheme to to their relationship just by nature of of the locations that a lot of the scenes were going to be taking place in Mm. um it just felt quite obvious that blue was going to be a color for them so we then deliberately avoided blue uh in scenes that didn't involve them being together uh mm-hmm. so as to not o- oversaturate the whole film with blue and uh and really sort of separate the scenes of them together versus the ones not and uh and talked about how the, there would just be a warmer look to to their happier memories uh and as the virus uh, starts to take hold and, and gets worse and worse. The the light becomes a little cooler, less warm. The shadows become a little harsher, and you know the the characters are placed in the shadows a bit more. And we, we really, from the beginning, tried to conceptualize how best to use all the all the tools at hand, not just you know composition, but but lighting, color. Um, even lenses and, and all that. And um, I, I love working with Sean because he he pushes me and I push him uh, to, to try and do our best work each time out. And I've got to say the work in it is absolutely terrific. So hats off to both you and Sean in regards to that. Um, I also yeah. want to shout out our colorist, Alex Bickle, because he's also a key key player in that uh, and deserves all, uh, a hand in, this, in these compliments. Absolutely. When it comes to the virus itself in the, in the movie, which is called NIA or um, neuroinflammatory affliction, I think the closest thing you could probably compare it to will be Alzheimer's. Um, there is yes. a kind of ambiguity to it though as well. But when it comes to off the page between yourself and, and Madsen, is there such a thing as a backstory for a virus? Do you have a kind of like a like notes in regards to symptoms, origins, origins, cures, perhaps as well, uh, in regards to NIA that you don't have on screen, but you perhaps you and Matson have talked about in your own time and kept off the screen? Not between the two of us. I can't speak for him in in his writing process. He might have, um, but as a as a director. Uh, and and as a writer, when I'm writing my own things, I've always sort of been of the mind where if I don't see it 
on the screen, I don't care about mm. it. Um, and obviously there's discussions about is what we're putting on the screen sufficient in terms of information, in terms of, um, you know, is, is it telling the story effectively? So we have those talks, but then once it's been decided that what we have in the movie is sufficient, then I, I don't care about anything else. And that, that kind of goes for actor backstories as well. I'm happy for them to do them and would encourage them to do them. Uh, but uh, if they ask me what a character did three years before, um, I'm going to probably say uh, whatever you want. It's up to you. <laughs> So the you know the movie gets so many things absolutely just hit so many marks for me. I think the thing that really hit me though was that you know when you made the movie, of course, no one would know what's coming around the corner with what we're living with now in regards to COVID and everything. And I think what you really hit the nail on the head was on was the the unknown knowns in regards to we we kind of know little things about what's happening with the pandemic but not everything the chaos that surrounds that the insecurities as well that's brought to the screen and to tell you the truth whenever i come across a movie these days that has to do with pandemic or anything i'll kind of give it like a, a second thought if i want to watch it or not but with little fish i found the, the movie to be incredibly therapeutic for me um you know having gone through all this stuff here with, and a lot of people as well in regards to covid do you find now that when people will talk to you about the film or when you watch the film yourself, you know, when you made the film for you, you were exercising a lot of demons. Do you find that you were even exercising even more demons now? Or not demons, sorry, exercising a lot of insecurities and anxieties now since we're living through a time of pandemic and this movie is a way for people to kind of, you know, it's kind of like almost like a conduit for people to have their feelings be be shared and in, in, uh, express themselves through your film? Yes. Yeah. I, I finished the film in, in February and then the pandemic really sort of infiltrated our complete awareness almost right afterwards. And then things were shut down a month later. So um, it was quite clear that the movie was going to sit on a shelf for a little while while we figured out what was going to happen. And I had lots of time to think about uh, how it's going to be received uh, in in this new world. Um, and I myself didn't watch it again until July mm. when I had to do a, a QC check of the, of the final print and was really nervous about it. I, I didn't even know how I was going to feel about it, but um, was, was happy and relieved to, to find that it actually played the best for me that it ever had on in that screening. And, and I felt like the, the pandemic and what I had, been living through added a, a new layer to to it and a new appreciation to what uh, the characters were going through and how they went through it, how they actually conducted themselves. I, I just found it more relatable and uh, uh, and then was a little more at ease with uh, the idea of it coming out now because you know I was nervous and 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 I have found uh, like like you said the people are more inclined to be receptive to it and, and have it be, feel cathartic or therapeutic than, um, than purely triggering and, and uh, in bad taste. Well, I tell you what, I believe that we are having watched Little Fish. It's the first great movie I've seen of the year. Um, and I absolutely love the film. And Chad Hardikin, congratulations to you in regards to the movie. For everyone listening, February 5, Little Fish in theatres, 
and on demand across the US. I absolutely recommend everyone watch this movie. It's absolutely beautiful um, and does help in a lot of ways, um, especially these days. And Chad Hardigan, again, I thank you for your time today. Thank you.